0: hello lovely people this is the i have no idea what i'm doing podcast also known as the african women in biz podcast a show that helps african women at the start of their entrepreneurship journey reach their business money and life goals faster i'm your host paula rogo checking in from nairobi kenya This week, it's a Money Matters episode. And it's the first Money Matters episode with a guest. For those who are new to the podcast, once a month, I focus on personal finance and financial literacy for women because there's no point making all that money with your business if you don't know how to handle it for yourself. In this episode, we'll be talking about money mindsets. And I've really been struggling on how to talk about it on this show, but I was able to find the perfect guest for that. But before we jump into that... I was very surprised by the response to last week's episode about my podcast journey, and I'm happy to hear that it touched many of you, but mostly I hope it helped level set some of your podcasting expectations. And for those of you who were able to make my webinar, which was my first one ever, thank you for gracing me with your presence. The webinar was about the five pitfalls that are preventing you from launching your podcast, and I shared insights and strategies to overcome them. It really was a great time. I had people tuning in from Kenya, Sudan, South Africa, Mauritius, the UK, the US, and more. And I spent over an hour answering podcasting questions for those who attended. And you know, we really just had a good time. I, I think I realized how much I really love teaching this stuff. I enjoy connecting with people in that way. So Thanks for coming. And for those of you who missed it, the replay of the webinar is now for sale and the link is in the show notes. Another thing, remember a couple of weeks ago, I asked if any of you would be interested in a podcast training or course? Well, some of you did say yes, and after weeks of pulling it all together, it's here. I have created a new digital course on podcasting that I am teaching. The course is called Podcast From Scratch. And it is an eight-week podcasting course specifically created for women who have something to say and want to use the power of audio to do it. Basically, you want to use the magic of podcasting to put out your message. In this course, I will teach you everything from podcasting mindset and production plans to equipment, recording, editing, hosting, and distribution around your podcast. Plus, you get to do it all alongside myself, the podcast jury. All you Black Panther fans will recognize that reference. And other women who will all be your cheerleaders and accountability partners. By the end of this eight-week course, you'll have your podcast trailer and a plan for success and a plan to launch. The course launches on October 3rd. So if this sounds interesting to you, check out the link in the show notes and I'll see you on the other side. All right, I'm done with podcasts. let's talk about money. Like I said, today's episode is about money mindset. Now, what is money mindset? Money mindset is an overriding attitude that you have about your money and your finances. This attitude drives how you make key financial decisions every single day of your life, and it can have a big impact on your ability to achieve your goals. As you all know, I've been on my personal finance journey and I quickly realized that I can learn everything from budgeting to investing to retirement planning to insurance readiness. I can learn all those things, but the fullest potential of this new education in my life didn't really matter if my mindset, my money mindset was not in the right place. This was a big aha moment for me. And I wanted to share that with you all, but I couldn't figure out how exactly to talk about money mindset with you. It's a little bit of a, it's it's a bit tough to pin down. And then the answer came to me in the form of our guest this week. If you follow me on Instagram, and it's at Kali Boss, for those who don't, I share Um, I share bits and pieces of my personal finance learnings and, and lessons on my Instagram stories. And the one person who I'm consistently connected with as it pertains to these little gems that I share is Danielle Anderson. And I quickly saw she was the person with whom I could really have this conversation about money mindset in a really, really fruitful way. So who is Danielle? Danielle Anderson is an American expat based in Kenya. She's the founder of Step and Stone, where she performs business coaching for those who want to make a living doing what they love. And she's the co-founder of AfriLove Connection Club, a club of female founders Danielle moved to Kenya about three years ago from London after leaving a very lucrative job at J.P. Morgan. And in recent months, like me, she has been thinking about her money and her money mindset, specifically around her beliefs and her behaviors. And given her experience with business and coaching, especially with business and entrepreneurial women here in Kenya, I thought her story as well as her wisdom would be illuminating and could really add to this discussion about money mindset. You'll hear Danielle talk about her own money story, as well as sharing wisdom and tips about how you can rework or tweak your own money mindset. This is another Grab Your Notebook episode because you will be taking a lot of notes. And then stay tuned after the interview where I'll be sharing the Money Matters book of the month. I'm excited for you to hear this interview. Here is Danielle. Can you tell me about Step in Stone and why you created it?
1: Yeah, sure. So I used to work in financial services. I spent 10 years in banking both in the States and then eventually in London, doing strategy and business development. So basically what that meant is like the business would have an idea and they would come to me and say, "Hey, like we want you to make this happen." So I had to figure out how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But the more that I climbed up the career ladder, to be honest, like the more I hated it. You know, I wasn't I wasn't satisfied by the pay rises. I wasn't. I, I wasn't excited by the idea of taking on more responsibility, like particularly the idea of having a corner office and managing a big team and having to be responsible for everybody else's development. Like, and so. Eventually, I decided, okay, this isn't the place for me, and I left, and I mm. left literally without a plan, <laughs> but I knew that I could take the time. I had a bit of cash saved up, so I could take the time to figure it out and decide what it is that I wanted to do. So about six months later, after a bunch of soul searching and some traveling and a lot of like courses and the volunteering and just trying to like see what kind of set my soul on fire again, I decided that I wanted to do business coaching Mm -hmm. and the reason I decided that is because I realized that a lot of the work that I was doing within financial services which as I mentioned was down to strategy could be useful in a different context so teaching other people how to do that Mm -hmm. and I was really passionate about working at the time with entrepreneurs who were trying to make either a social impact or environmental impact and doing good in the world through business Mm -hmm. and I thought okay if I can if i can do this as a as an entrepreneur if i can do this as a business owner then imagine all of the people that i can help in their businesses to make this impact Right. and so that's why i started step and stone mm-hmm. it's evolved quite a bit i mean this was now 7 years ago so it's evolved quite a bit over time and i don't i no longer focus on social and environmental businesses specifically. Mm-hmm. Instead I have decided to focus on helping people make money doing work that they love. And that can be in any context. So it can be solopreneurs, it can be small business owners, it can even be people that want to have like a big company at some point. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, helping people to really follow their passion and 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 not be on this employment ladder if they don't want to be on it because mm-hmm. I didn't want to be on it, but I didn't know that there was an alternative for me until I took that leap and did it, you know.
0: Um, For those who are in that potential transition stage, right, who are maybe in their corporate job and are like, I want to take a leap of faith. I want to uh, make money doing what I love. Um, Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for them?
1: The first thing that you can do to really help you with, not going crazy in that process mm. is to try to have some money saved up before you take that leap of faith. Right? Preach. Because, <laughs> preach. Preach, <yeah>. preach, preach. <laughs> because if you don't, like, you're going to have to go back and get a job pretty damn soon, mm-hmm. you know, like, you're not going to be able to take the time. And, and it's so funny because, you know, we always hear, you know what, it's going to take longer than you think. Right? Yeah. Yeah. and it's going to cost you more than you think. Mm-hmm. And when I was starting out, I was like, no, that's not going to apply to me. I'm super focused and I know exactly what I want to do and I'm going to make this happen really fast. Mm-hmm. And no, nope, it's going to take longer than you think. Yeah. So you need to have that safety net because if you don't have it, it you're going to you're gonna give up sooner than you need to. Or you're going to make really bad decisions because you're you're panicking about yeah. cash. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- the first thing is for sure to make sure that you have some cash saved up. And if you can't speak, in that position to do so, then you may just want to start it as a side hustle first and get things going and realize that you're going to have to be putting in, you know, your nine to five and then possibly like, uh, you know, a five to nine after that, doing work on your business every day. Mm. Um, so, you know, giving yourself that, that protection is really important. And then I think the second thing is really just getting out and talking to people about what their problems are. So if you have an idea that you're kind of considering, it's great that you have it, but ultimately you need to be able to sell something that people want to, at the end of the day. Right? Mm-hmm. So it, don't spend too much time creating something before you go out and have conversations about what people actually need help with, right? So yep. the problem that you're solving and then figuring out, okay, how can I now solve this? Yep. You know, don't spend like six months, 12 months, especially like in the in the tech space, like people are like, oh, I want to build this app. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool, but yeah. who, who wants to use your app? People? Right? And, and we get so passionate about our ideas and we think it's the best thing since sliced bread and then we get out there and like people are like no that's not quite right and you, and you feel de- like dejected so yeah. um so those are my two things like cash and talk to people
0: and i did none of those things and let me tell you <laughs> please listen to danielle because i I've, <laughs> I've learned the hard way and so of course I've invited you here today Danielle. You're my first Money Matters guest on this show. Ooh, and exciting. yes, and this series is of course called the Money Matters series and it focuses on the personal finance and financial literacy aspect of money for female entrepreneurs. You also have a program called Money Matters. Can you please tell us what it's about?
1: so money matters is a program specifically designed for business owners to really get to grips with their finance Mm. um i see so many people struggling with numbers you know they they tell themselves especially because a lot of the businesses that i'm now working with tend to be like in the creative space often you Mm -hmm. know or um or even just using their passion but they they tell themselves that they're no good with numbers because maybe they had a bad experience in math class 20 years ago or 30 years ago, and ever since then they've hated the idea of math, right? Mm -hmm. Or they're really uncomfortable with Excel and they don't know how to use it. And it's all kind of linked, right? Yeah. And so what I was seeing is all of these business owners who were struggling to make a living doing work that they loved because they weren't looking at their finances properly. They weren't weren't aware of, number one, how much they needed to earn on a monthly basis in order to cover their living expenses.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So like, what is my personal budget basically? Right. And then your personal budget ultimately translates into the salary that you need to be able to take from your business. So if you need to take a salary of a certain number from your business, that means that you need to sell a certain number of products or services mm-hmm. at a particular price yes. in order to make that salary, right? Mm-hmm. On top of all of the other expenses in business, this is just kind of like a high level, right? right. So. So Money Matters is really designed to get people clear on on their personal budget, on their business budget, and then how to set the right prices for their products or services. So they're not just breaking even, but eventually they're making money from that as well. Mm. Um, Over the years, I've, 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 I've kind of changed the program a little bit to also start talking more about An individual's money mindset because I know we're going to talk more about this today but money mindset really impacts the decisions that we make and the way that we're we're showing up around cash Mm -hmm. Um, and it it impacts the decisions that we make in our business because of our long-held beliefs about what money is and how it how it works for us and whether it's a good thing or a bad thing and all of those things so Mm -hmm. in short money matters is really designed to get business owners super clear with their finances so that they can stop worrying about that side of things, um, but also be just more confident in it so that they can make better decisions, that they can confidently set their prices, that they know exactly how much they need to sell every single month in order to break even and to make money, and that they can then focus on going out and making those sales.
0: Yeah. You write in your website, there was a section where you were writing about um, the fact that money is about so much more than just numbers. Can you explain what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, so as I kind of hinted at, your mindset is really the thing that's going to impact your attitude towards money, Mm -hmm. right? So, for example, if you live in a scarcity mindset, no matter how much you earn, you might think that it's never enough, Mm -hmm. right? You're always looking for more money, and when you become kind of blind towards your spending habits, you can quickly go broke, you know, you can run out of cash because you don't realize how much you're spending on. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also other mindsets about like, you know, for example, do you have a positive attitude towards money or a negative attitude towards it? There's a lot of people who believe that money is a bad thing. um, Mm -hmm. But we also have to believe that we're all worthy enough to be wealthy.
0: Yes. And you have to believe it. (laughs) Actually,
1: you have to believe it. And like, you kind of have to fake it until you make it right. Mm -hmm. Like you have to kind of tell yourself like, yes, I am worthy of this, and it might take a while for you to convince yourself that you are, but ultimately, we are all worthy of being wealthy, Mm -hmm. and and wealth can be defined however you want it to be. Mm. Maybe that's not on a billionaire level. We don't want that responsibility. I know I certainly don't want the responsibility of a billionaire, or, Mm. you know, like, it just sounds so stressful, but I know that I I want more than what I have now.
0: Yeah, and you've, sort of hinted at the UK and the US. You're American. You worked in the UK for a long time. Um, How did you end up moving to Kenya and making your life here?
1: (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. so. so I, I had moved from the U.S. to the U.K. With, with the company that I was working with back in 2005, which was J.P. Morgan. So I, I kind of I got sick of living in New York City. Imagine. And it's so funny to say that now, but I got sick of living in New York City. And I basically approached my bosses and I said, hey, is there is there an opportunity for me to maybe relocate to London with a company? And they said, yes. Yes. So that's why I ended up in the UK and I ended up staying there for 11 years and, you know, really having a life there, or a career there, or a husband there, like all of that stuff. Um, and then in 2016, um, my ex and I split up and to be honest, like i have been unhappy in London for some time. Like I wasn't, especially after I left the finance industry because London is super expensive. Like mm. it was a great place for me to be during my finance career because it's, you know, it's like an epicenter of finance. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't, once I became an entrepreneur, it just became like a really hard place to <clears throat> to survive, you know, like, I just wasn't happy. That's mm-hmm. kind of the bottom line. So first of all, I had met this woman called Lulu, and and Lulu and I have since become business partners in other ventures. Um, so Lulu and I had met at a co-working space in London, and, and she's Kenyan, mm-hmm. and she said to me one day, she's like, hey, you know, like you really love startups and you love traveling. So one day you should go check out Nairobi. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, let me add it to this never ending list of places that I want to visit, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and early on in 2016, a former client of mine, who some of your listeners might know, Liv Minoru, um, mm-hmm. who runs like, Nairobi Soapbox and Spot Dreaming, She had relocated to Kenya with her with her family Mm -hmm. and she was running a coaching retreat for five days out in McQuinney County somewhere. And she was like, hey, do you want to do you want to participate? And I said, look, like this actually sounds like a really great opportunity for me to, one, support your business and, and also take a peek about what this you know what this nairobi is that people keep talking about and i remember thinking like wow nairobi it sounds like such an exotic name you know i was just excited by the idea of of coming yeah so i came here specifically for that program um but then because I was then single when the program eventually started, I extended my stay and ended up staying a little bit longer than, um, than initially planned. And I just loved it. Like we spent, um, I ended up, <laughs> I actually, the first place I landed was Mombasa and I went straight up to Kalifi. That was my first place in Kenya. Ah. And I was there for like three days and mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, I'm in love. Like mm-hmm. this is where, <laughs> this is where I want to spend my days. I then came to Nairobi and I was only here for a couple of days, but I, I met as many people as possible in that short period of time that I could and just tried to start having conversations with entrepreneurs here. Mm. And I had already decided that I was going to leave London and Mm -hmm. that I was going to decide where home would be next, but I didn't really know where that was going to be. Mm. And I was chatting to Lulu, and she was like, Well, you know, why don't you just stay there for longer? And I said, I can't. I have to come back to the UK and deliver on a contract. Mm. And she said, Well, I'm going to be going back in a few weeks. So if you want, you can just come back with me. And I was like, That sounds like a great (laughs) idea. So I left the UK. I I left Kenya Mm -hmm. um, after nine days here, totally in love with the country and the people and the opportunity that I saw and the energy of this place and just all of that stuff I really really loved Mm -hmm. and I went back to London I packed up all of my stuff into 11 boxes I put all of that stuff into a storage unit and I came back to Kenya for another month and that was it I left the UK like that was me saying goodbye to London but I wasn't yet ready to call anywhere home like mm. i really wanted to go on this journey of figuring out where where do i want to be and what do i want to be and who do i want to be now that i'm no longer somebody's wife
0: mm. you know? mm.
1: um So I spent the next 18 months kind of bouncing around to different places. So it was a lot of like self-discovery during that time, but there was something that kept calling me about Kenya. Mm. So a year later I came back and this time I said, okay, Danielle, no more messing around on the coast. Like you have to be in Nairobi and you have to take this seriously and see if this is really a place where you can... Thrive. Yeah. So I spent six weeks here. Um, mm-hmm. I did spend two weeks on the coast, <laughs> but I spent six weeks here, and I just hustled as much as I could. You know, I met with incubators, accelerators, entrepreneurs, universities. I started hosting my own meetups so that I could have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And the overwhelming response that I got from everybody was, "Yeah, we need what you're doing, mm-hmm. but Kenya is a face-to-face country, and you need to be here. Yeah, you can't keep doing this back-and-forth thing." And I was like okay, cool. That's kind of the validation that I needed. So let me go sort my life out and I'll be back in a few months and I'm not going to go, like I'm not going to leave. And so that's what I did. I came back in October, 2017, and I've been here ever since. And now this is home. Like, to be honest with you, I feel, I feel at home for the first time in my life Wow. I'm 39. So Mm -hmm. in all the other places that I've lived in and all of the other places that I've visited, Kenya, especially Nairobi, I mean, ultimately, I do want to be on the coast um, yes. more often. Mm-hmm. I want to split my time. But Kenya is where I feel like, OK, this is this is where I want to spend a long time.
0: Hey, I love that. I love, love, love hearing that. And I wanted to talk about money mindset um, and how it affects women. So when I say the word money mindset, what does that actually mean to you?
1: So it means the, the underlying and maybe subconscious, you may not be aware of it, the underlying and subconscious beliefs that you hold about money,
0: mm-hmm.
1: both positive and negative,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which impact your day-to-day decision-making, which impact your attitude towards money, which impact your self-worth, mm. and impact the decisions that you make and the opportunities that you go after.
0: Woo! that is a description. No, like you've covered it because I was ready to be like, let's break this down. But really, that's put perfectly. Where do you think your money mindset is today? Or maybe another way to say it, what is your relationship with money and finances today?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting because I have always told myself that I'm good with money. Mm -hmm. Right. I've always been good at budgeting. I started working when I was very young. due to financial reasons in the families. And I always I always worked because I needed what I felt like I needed money. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to burden my family for money. So I think I took the responsibility on myself at a really young age to make sure that I was always going to be okay. And the other message that I only really realized in this last couple months is that my mom also always told me like not to rely on someone else. Mm. You know, don't depend on someone else for money. Don't, don't ever, don't co your expenses. Like make sure that you always have your own bank account. And so every relationship that I've been in, I've always kind of been in this also 50, 50 sort of stance with it, which mm-hmm. in some ways is really shitty. Like, it's not a great place to go into, to be like, oh, like we always have to be equal, right? Yeah. Because sometimes you're not like, sometimes someone needs to, to, to rely on their partner for support. And, and that really, there was a lot of tension in relationships that I've been in because my mom mom had always kind of instilled this attitude in me. So I didn't realize that, but mm-hmm. I'll come back to that in a minute. So I always thought that I was really good with money because I was budgeting. I've only been in debt twice in my life. And, and we can talk about those experiences later if we want to, but um, those debts were manageable and I was able to come out of them. I always make sure that I, you know, I'm spending within my means. And I thought that I was really responsible, right? Yeah. So I think what I've really realized lately is I kind of started playing small, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I earned quite a lot of money when I worked in financial services. And Mm -hmm. then when I became an entrepreneur, I was like, oh, well, I don't need that much. Like, I don't need as much as I used to make because my living expenses aren't that crazy. Like Uh I'm not really a materialistic person. I'm much more of a spender on experiences rather than things. Uh So I was like, oh, I can, I can cut down my expenses. I can save my pennies. I can make sure that I'm not going to go broke. Uh But at the same time, what I realized is that then I was just making myself feel guilty every time I was spent. Mm. Another thing I realized about my mindset lately is that, um, because I have been telling myself for these past couple of years, like, Oh, you don't need so much. Mm. I think I've been playing small in my business, you know, Mm. and I've been saying like, Oh, like I don't have to do these new scary things because that cash isn't so important. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, wait a second. That's crazy because I can do bigger things and why not be wealthy? Why not build wealth for myself and my my legacy? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the final thing that I realized lately uh, and and recently rather um, in the past couple months is I'm going to be turning 40 in December. And I was listening to a podcast um, a couple months ago, and unfortunately I can't remember whose it was. So I apologize to whoever dropped this gem on me that I hold with me now dearly, Mm -hmm. but they started talking about um, retirement, right? Yes. And, And what the podcaster said was often when we think about our retirement, we think of that person as someone almost completely different to who we are, because mm. it's so far in the future mm. that it's almost like that person is a stranger. Like it's, you know, it's it's me thinking of, for example, you, Paula, right? Yep. It's, it's so removed from who you are today So you don't even start thinking about planning for that person or taking care of that person or looking Mm. after that person now because you're like, oh, I'll deal with it later.
0: Yeah. Mm. No, I'm
1: turning 40. Retirement's not that far away. If I really wanna make sure that I'm not working until the day that I die, I need to start making better decisions now about not just how I use my money, but how do I get my money to work better for me?
0: Mm. And I say this intentionally, money affects everything. At the end of the yeah. day, right? And so, I frankly believe that when you start really digging deep into your, your relationship with money, um, and for in my case, my relationship was that I was bad with it, and I don't even know. Having gone through particular experiences of late, I'm not actually bad with money. I just didn't know. <laughs> That's different. Yeah. I just didn't know how to, what to do with money. I just I was never taught. Um, and then now that I'm learning, I'm like, oh, this is doable. And what's interesting is that you were, people assume that because people, someone is in finance, oh, I'm assuming, let me say that, that you are in finance and banking, that you have everything about money figured out. And I think what you're saying is that's not necessarily the case.
1: I think that my money management skills are very strong and also I, I kind of know what to do with it. Yeah. But what wasn't there Mm -hmm. was all of those things that I mentioned before, like, Mm -hmm. oh, but you have this belief, and therefore, because you have this belief, you're making decisions in a different way than if you were holding a different belief, you know? And especially since I've been an entrepreneur, like, I don't think, I think in my finance days, this wasn't so relevant because like the cash was abundant, right? Mm-hmm. Like I never really had to worry about it, except once. Like like I said, once I was in debt, well, twice I've been in debt, once was kind of early on in my career when I first moved to London and the salary that I was offered sounded like it was great. But when I got to London and realized how crazy expensive it was, it actually wasn't great. Mm-hmm. So I was, every single month, I was overspending just on necessities. I wasn't even like playing, you know, this is mm-hmm. just rent and food and transportation Mm -hmm. and every month I wasn't earning enough to cover that so Mm -hmm. what I was able to do the following year when there was like pay rise reviews and promotions and that sort of period every year that comes in in corporate was I just I renegotiated my salary and this is another thing is like especially as women like you don't always get what you deserve, you get what you ask for. So Ooh. if you feel like you're not earning enough, like you have to be confident to go in and be like, this isn't working for me and, and I need more money.
0: Yeah, you know? and like um, demand, it. <laughs> demand it, yeah, demand it. It's not a discussion, especially in no. your case when it's about survival, I need to live in this city, this is how much I need to make. Um,
1: and also knowing yeah. that my peers were earning more than me, yeah. you know, like it's such a shitty feeling. And like, when you know that your peers are making more for doing the same job and you're like, yo, hold on, wait a second. Just yeah. because I was naive and I didn't know what the cost of living was, doesn't mean you should have exploited me. You yeah. Know, like,
0: exactly. so
1: yeah, you have to be able to go in and ask and demand like what you, what you want, you mm-hmm. know, the, the worst that someone's going to say is no, but yeah. if you don't even ask, like you're not even going to get a no.
0: hmm. Right. Well, And so, and you know, when when you were talking about these sort of mindsets and beliefs that you had about money, like once you were aware of them, how have you worked through them?
1: So it's currently a work in progress. Um, This is all kind of new revelations, thanks Mm -hmm. to coronavirus and all of this like Mm -hmm. inward (laughs) introspection that I've been able to do. Um, So I'm still in the process of working through them. I think the first step is just awareness, like knowing that that's there and, and being more aware of like, when I'm about to make a decision, like, is this a decision that I'm making because it's my decision or Mm -hmm. is this a decision I'm making because it's my mother subconsciously in my head telling me to make a decision a certain way. Right. So two things that I've done actually in the past couple months, um, is I've made investments into, um, one, I've made an investment into the market, mm-hmm. which is the first time that I've done so. Previously, I would always save money. So in my mind, I was always like, okay, if I save money, then I'm safe, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm saving. Mm-hmm. But what I realized was like, wait a second, like I'm saving money. My One of my savings accounts is in the UK where the interest rate is like, you know, spot not, not 5% or <laughs> yes. something, right? Like, it, it, Basically, like you're not making, you're not even... Basically you're losing money when you're saving like yeah, that because yeah. it's not even covering inflation. Inflation, right? right. So so every every year the cost of your money becomes so like a dollar today is gonna be worth less in a year's time yeah. because of inflation, you know? And so if you're not even earning the amount of inflation, you're basically losing money by saving. So yes. I was like, yo, I have all of this cash and savings. I, I need to make it work better for me. So I made a decision to make a market investment mm-hmm. and it was scary, you know, I was like, wow, this is a big chunk of cash that, you know, where we're living in the middle of a pandemic, yes. I might need it in 12 months time. Mm-hmm. Like, what if I don't, what if I don't re-earn this? And I had to sit to myself, say to myself, like, you still have a safety net, you're just taking a little bit out of it. And maybe what's going to happen is that the safety net is going to double, you know, right?" and and thinking about that from a different perspective. So I took that risk. So that's one thing that I've done just to kind of make my money work better for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and alongside that I transferred my pension to a different provider which was um, a provider that had a better historical track record so hopefully my pension will grow better than it was growing Mm -hmm. and then the second thing that I've done is I've invested in some programs for my business Mm -hmm. so if I really want to play bigger I'm going to need help yeah I can't like, I can't just assume that I can do all that on my own. So mm-hmm. I've invested in two different coaching programs that cover very different things, and they're big. They're big programs. They're not like they're not three hundred dollars programs. We're talking about thousands of dollars in, yeah. in programs. So, yeah. Um, because I need to be around. If I want to step up to the next level, which is something I'm really serious about doing as I get into my 40s, mm-hmm. if I want to step, step up into the next level, I need to be surrounded by other people who mm-hmm. want to do the same thing or have already done it. Yep. You know, I, if you don't want to play small anymore, you have to surround yourself with people that are playing big.
0: And I, I do want to say, like, there were some things that Danielle talked about, markets, inflation, all these things that, um, if you're listening and you did not understand what she was saying, I do not want you to to like, overlook it. If there's words or things she said that you don't understand, please go look it up. This is important for you to understand because what she's talking about are things that if you knew <laughs> would blow your mind as well I, like i said earlier when i realized that i wasn't I that i wasn't actually bad with money i just didn't know once you start actually knowing and learning and understanding and you realize the things you didn't know your mind will explode right um, when you when cuz you, you might think you might be thinking you're doing a great job saving And you might have even saved thousands and hundreds and thousands of shillings or whatever your currency is. And then once you learn about inflation, and what that could do to your savings it will blow your mind (laughs) and so please don't overlook anything danielle has said as i don't understand it i don't know numbers i don't understand you know um, that's not for me really anytime you hear anything about money and finance just look it up like the way you look up anything else just try look it up and understand um what it is if you can Um, Yeah, totally. It's also
1: like, it's all about, it's all about attitude and not ability. Yes. Right. So if you really want things to change, you need to, you need to change how you're talking to yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to stop saying, I'm bad at this. I don't understand this. And just do something about it. Because if you change your attitude of like, oh, like, okay, I don't understand this right now, but I, but I can figure it out. Mm -hmm. then you will figure it out. It doesn't have to be, money doesn't have to be
0: complicated. And it's not. It's really not, guys. Once you, yeah. you, because most, most people listening to this are entrepreneurs or are aspiring entrepreneurs. And you have figured out things about your business that at one point in time you were like, this does not make any sense to me. And you figured it out. And you can probably do it with your eyes closed at this point in time. It's the same thing exactly. with money. And what Danielle is talking about, attitude, is money mindset, right? For you, Danielle, when you made this shift, for example, um, a shift towards okay, I'm ready to make this, make um, this this new investment towards my retirement, or these changes with my retirement plan, or even that I'm ready to um, invest more in my business in order to go to the next level. Um, how did you build the right mindset towards those goals? What shifted for you? You know, I
1: don't know. Like. It's it's such an interesting it's such an interesting topic for me because I'm I'm in the middle of it yes. so I don't have all of the answers but mm-hmm. but I think ultimately it's just deciding like I want things to change
0: mm-hmm. and
1: in order for things to change I need to do things differently yeah and doing things differently is scary and doing things differently might be hard but if I don't do things differently then in ten years time I'm going to be in the exact same position that I'm in right now mm-hmm. wondering what went wrong yeah right yeah and. If you want things to look different, you have to do things differently. If you want things to look look different, you have to be willing to let go of the parts of yourself that are no longer serving you. Yeah. And and that can be attitudes, that can be beliefs, that can be behaviors, um and yeah, I think it maybe it's all kind of also just down to me turning 40 and I'm just like, okay, I'm ready. Like I'm ready for this next level and in order to be in this next level, I need to be I need to be bigger.
0: Yeah, you know, but I, I usually deserve it. Yeah, I usually I think there's usually some there's usually something that forces you to reflect on yourself. <laughs> whether it's COVID, whether it's you turning forty. In my case, when it came to money, it was it was um, potentially. Um, Entering a relationship in which money had to be mixed, right? So I had to think yeah. about, well, what's going on with my own money, um, and it was with someone who's really good with it. <laughs> so that really forced me to like look at myself. But ultimately, I think what I'm hearing from you, Danielle, is it's a decision. You get to decide one day. I want to do something differently. Okay. So I think it's important that we have some actionable steps. Um, to go along with this bigger idea of money mindset. Uh, can you give some actionable steps that people could use? First of all, like I said,
1: it's about attitude, not ability. That's the first thing. So get your head right, you know, and, and we talked about that at length. The second thing to kind of consider before I go into actions is just remembering like you can start small, you know, like you don't have to feel like, let's say that you're in debt for a hundred thousand shillings, right, a thousand dollars. and. And you're like, I have no idea how I'm going to get over this, out of this debt because you think like I have to pay it all off at once. You don't. Like whatever small amount that you have, put it towards paying down your debt. The second thing is really to, you have to be honest about your situation. You know, not just your debt situation, but really get honest about, how much money am I? How much money am I spending on a monthly basis, and how much money do I actually need on a monthly basis? Mm-hmm. And I don't want you to go into like this mindset that I was kind of in of like, oh, guilt yourself about spending. It's not about that, but it's about being realistic about what are you actually spending your money on. So, um, I have a free pricing calculator that Paula can share with you in the in the session notes, mm-hmm. which will help you really just to define what your budget looks like and to like make some decisions from there so just really being honest about the money that you're spending first because with awareness you can then start to make better decisions that lead to better outcomes
0: yeah yeah
1: it's also a really good time now particularly for renters like it's such a renter's market right now so if you're spending a lot of money on your rent, like renegotiate with your landlords Mm. because there are so many empty properties right now that all it takes is a little bit of a threat to be like, yo, I'm going to (laughs) leave. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like, we'll reduce your rent. You know, I've done it recently. I've had friends that have done it recently. Um, So again, ask for what you want so that you get what you want because otherwise, you know, you're not going to get it. Yeah. Now, if you do that, if you then start to trim your expenses in different areas, take that money that you were spending anyway and start to divert it towards things that will work in your favor. So for example, if you're able to reduce your rent by 10,000 shillings, which was what I was able to do, rather than spend that 10,000 shillings on on booze or, or eating out or clothes, take that 10,000 shillings and stick it into maybe a savings account that is earning you a good amount of interest, mm-hmm. or maybe take that 10,000 shillings and pay off some debt that you have, or take that 10,000 shillings and put it into the market because you don't need to have a lot of money to get started. You just need to get started. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a fallacy that a lot of people get stuck with as well as they think, Oh, I need to have thousands of dollars before I can invest. No, you don't, you can start with what you have mm-hmm. and then let that start to build for you.
0: Yep. Um, Exactly. So that's
1: another thing. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the third action, and and you kind of touched on this already, Paula, is build an accountability system. You know, start having conversations with your girlfriends or with your partner or even with like, you know, boyfriends, whatever, like just someone. Be honest about what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it and realize that it's going to take time. Like making a decision to do something differently is the first step but then actually taking the further steps along the process you know you just have to be consistent with it and you can't expect things to change overnight you can't expect to be a millionaire overnight but you do need to start to think about what what steps can i take whether that's okay let me learn about Different investment options, or let me look at the rate that my savings account is getting me and shop around at different banks to see if I can make that better, Mm -hmm. or let me see if I can start a pension plan because it's important to me. Mm -hmm. You know, do number one is like research, start looking into things that are of interest to you and start to build up your knowledge about it so that you can then make decisions about how to do things differently. Yeah, and then from there, make other decisions about okay, which one do I do first, right. The other thing I just want to add, Paula, in terms of an action plan, especially if you're a business owner, Mm -hmm. um, actually, particularly, well, let me say it from both sides. So if you're in a a salary job, also start thinking, and I know it's kind of a tricky time in the job market because there's redundancies and, you know, closures and businesses are slow but so maybe this is a longer term plan but really think about your salary especially as women because we're always underpaid compared Mm -hmm. to our male counterparts always which Mm -hmm. is a a conversation for another podcast but (laughs) you know so is your salary actually the market rate you know like if you've been in your job for a long time it's likely that you are not earning the same amount of money that you would earn if you were going for that exact same job at a new company, mm. right? So, have a look at your salary. Have a look at what the market's paying, and, and really ask yourself, like, am what I is what I'm earning the right amount, like, given my expertise, given my, um, given my my passion of what I want to do next, and like, what I can do. In, in this company mm-hmm. and if not like and if your company is unwilling to negotiate then start looking elsewhere and, and, and move, move yeah. to a place that's willing to value you at the right price now on the business side what I want to say to all of you is that you're probably undercharging
0: Yes, raise his hand in shame.
1: (laughs) You're probably undercharging. And the reason that we undercharge is also down to money mindset, because we think, oh, I'm just getting started. So I don't I shouldn't charge as much Mm -hmm. or, oh, the market can't pay what I'm offering. Or if you're not undercharging initially, what you do is you allow yourself to be negotiated down to a lower price because people in this country love to negotiate. Yes. So. Again, and this is kind of what my Money Matters program goes through on, on pricing, is making sure that you know what your prices are to cover your expenses, but likely also increasing them. So mm-hmm. when I realized that I was playing small, I've also on my one-to-one program, um, six steps for getting strategic, I've increased the price. Mm-hmm. So if you looked at it two months ago, it was one price. If you look at it now, it's, it's 30% more expensive. And I am not going to apologize for that. If people say to me, you're too expensive, cool. There's loads of free resources out there. There's loads of other people that are charging less money, but I can like go work with them. Like yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. right? Yeah. I know that my ideal customer, is
0: not going to bulk at the price that I'm charging because they know that I can get them results. So what if so, someone is like, oh, Danielle, um, it's a, it's corona, COVID, and it's a recession. Um, yeah. How can I increase my prices? What is your response? I don't know why I did that voice, but what is your response to that? <laughs> it was a very nice voice. <laughs>
1: um, just, you know, you can, yeah. you know, like I think it's down to really being clear about who your ideal customer is. Yeah. One problem I see a lot here in Kenya is that people just try to be in business for everybody. They're yeah. like, oh, I can work with anyone. Like, sure, you can work with anyone, but you shouldn't work with anyone. You mm-hmm. should really be clear about who your ideal customer is and and know that if they really want you and they value you, it's about, that's the other thing, it's like about showing value for what you're, what you're offering. Like, you right. have to make sure that people believe that you're valuable. Yeah. Um, you can you can totally do it you can raise your prices and even if it's just a small amount right Mm -hmm. and even if it's like every new customer that you get you increase it slightly especially if you're a service provider right Mm -hmm. like maybe you don't have your prices on your website i do because i like that transparency it it saves me time and it weeds out people that are going to give me this excuse of i can't afford it Mm -hmm. but ultimately that excuse of i can't afford it usually isn't about money it's usually about something else it's usually about okay I I use that excuse because it's easy for someone to understand and they won't really push back so much yeah but typically when someone says that they can't afford it it actually means that it's either not a financial priority for them at this time
0: mm-hmm.
1: or that they're afraid of taking this step and so they use that as that excuse like there there's hesitations about working with you so they, they just say oh I can't afford it because it's easy rather than saying I can't afford it, but I'm afraid, mm. right? Mm. For other reasons, right? So the the thing of, like, I can't afford it is just just ignore it, you yeah. know, and say, okay, that's fine. Like, I totally understand. I You know, I know what it's like to not be able to afford the things that I want. And and then you have to, like, also improve your selling because you have to be able to really show the value that you're able to offer to someone yeah. so that money isn't even a consideration.
0: Um, Danielle, especially having moved to Kenya, you've worked with a lot of women around business. And I know money comes up quite a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you maybe share a few observations you've seen about how women in Kenya or in Africa, how they view money and and how they think about money? That
1: there's a real lack of confidence when it comes to money, Mm. right? women are constantly telling themselves that they're they're no good with numbers or with spreadsheets we kind of touched on this before you know and and because of this like they they hold themselves back from even trying because they're afraid right so that's something that i see a lot and i think that's women a lot of women in general and not just not just african women mm-hmm. Um, but what I do see here in, in Africa um, is that there's definitely much more of an obligation, a financial obligation, for women to look after their families. So this mm-hmm. thing that is often referred to as black tax—like if you're out there and you're earning money, you now need to send money home to your mom and dad or to mm-hmm. your siblings and, and look after others, right? Families, neighbors, etc. Mm-hmm. And that puts an additional strain on women to to earn. Not just to earn more, because, again, I think that there's this lack of asking for more, Mm -hmm. but it's this kind of this this sense of duty or obligation that that money needs to go towards others rather than towards themselves. Yeah. Right. Mm. And then the final thing I see. And again, I don't think this is African specific. I think that a lot of women just feel that wealth is not attainable for them. That either they don't deserve it, or it's their it's their partner's responsibility to be the one that brings in the cash, um, and that they don't need to they don't need to be the breadwinner. They don't need to be wealthy, um, and there's almost like this stigma around the word wealthy because again, like people see wealth as like this. You know, we look at these really rich families here that wealth is kind of often closely linked to corruption yeah and so there's these stigmas of oh if you're wealthy then you must have stolen something yeah or if you're wealthy then you were dishonest in some way and it doesn't have to be that way you know mm-hmm. you can be wealthy and you can be the most honest person on the planet so
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think a lot of people feel like wealth isn't attainable because they don't they don't come from a rich family or they don't um they don't want to steal <laughs> yeah wanna, like name different things yeah you know? but we know that this is the reality so i think that it's about them believing Like wealth is, wealth is attainable for you and you deserve it, yeah. you know? Why not? Why don't you
0: deserve it? Any, and I know you've shared some, some action plans, but are there any particular money tips that you'd like to share anything, maybe even hacks that you have that you'd love to share with the women who listen to, to this podcast?
1: Um, so the things that I do is I, I keep track of my cash flow on a monthly basis, so um, I actually write down everything that I spend. I don't do it at the time, but I do it on a monthly basis, like at the end of the month. And the way that I, the way that I really keep track of my finances is I try to, I try to avoid using cash as much as possible, mm-hmm. meaning that I'll always pay using, well, now much more so with M-PESA, but in, in previous times, I would always try to pay with a debit card because mm-hmm. then you don't have to worry about receipts. You can just look at your statement at the end of the month and you can see where your money is going. Mm-hmm. And that's the same with business. It's like, I never use cash in business. I'm always using either m or I'm using a debit card so yeah. that I can keep track of the spending yeah. in that way. So start with awareness, that's number one. Mm. Number two, if you are running a business, please, 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 please keep your money separate. Keep your business finances and your personal Personal finance is separate. Yeah. Um, the other thing about expenses, business expenses especially, is that the the greater your business expenses, essentially the less tax you pay. Yeah. Right? So if you're earning money and you're not tracking your expenses properly, the amount that KRA is going to tax you is going to be higher because you're not deducting your expenses. So you need to have good record keeping, and and the best way to do that is to to segregate your stuff. And then the final one, which you touched upon already, Paula, is really just educate yourself. You know if if you think that you want to do something differently, then start learning what your options are. You know, look look out at different banks, um, start to see what sort of investment options there, there are.
0: And as it pertains uh, to the education, st- it's okay to start small and it's okay to not know. All right. It's okay to just ask questions. If someone says something you don't understand, just ask a question. What what does that mean? Please explain it to me. I
1: know it's it's so sad because the older that we get, mm-hmm. like the the more we fear not knowing, mm-hmm. right? Like we're we're ashamed when we don't know something. Yeah. But like go back to that kind of childlike curiosity that you had when you were when you were younger or maybe that you see your kids, you know, go through and and just ask questions like don't be ashamed if you don't know like you, you're not born knowing anything and yet everything that you know now you learned at some point in your life so no matter how old you are how young you are you you can empower yourself to learn you know
0: i love that that is a great great final takeaway um danielle do you have anything um new coming up in the pipeline that we can look forward to
1: I do have something coming up. I'm running a workshop, a three-part workshop, which is called From the Ground Up. This will be the second time I'm running it this year. And it's going to start on the 29th of September. The way that this workshop is designed is really to help you learn the most important foundations for any business, whether you're just getting started or maybe you've been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. So in this three-part series, you'll learn to decide, how, like, decide what you're selling and for whom. You'll learn how to increase your awareness, um, I'm sorry, how to increase awareness of your brand through digital marketing and how to build and nurture customer relationships so that even if they can't buy now, even if they're using that excuse that I can't afford you, mm-hmm. that they'll want to buy later.. Yeah.
0: All right, I am expecting all of you to be at Danielle's training starting next week. Thank you, Danielle, for being my first Money matches guest, showcasing that this work around money and personal finance affects so much more than just the numbers themselves. Now to the book of the month. In August, I recommended an OG personal finance book, The Richest Man in Babylon. Did you guys read it? What did you think? I appreciated the parables of money management a lot. But there was something about them that felt too fictional, too removed from my life, which made them easy to understand in the moment I was reading them. But for me, it was hard to then carry them off the page into my own life. And so with the last two books I've recommended being written in the 1920s, I wanted to bring us back to the present, to the modern world. And so I'm picking a book that not only did it come out in 2019, but it's also written by an African woman. For the month of September, I am recommending the book, Clever Girl Finance, Ditch Debt, Save Money, and Build Real Wealth by Bola Sokunbi. Here is some of the description of the book. Join the ranks of thousands of smart and savvy women who have turned to money expert and author Bola Sokunbi for guidance on ditching debt, saving money, and building real wealth. Sokunbi, the force behind the hugely popular Clever Girl Finance website, draws on her personal money mistakes and financial redemption to educate and empower a new generation of women on their journey to financial freedom. Lighthearted and accessible, Clever Girl Finance encourages women to talk about money and financial wellness and shows them how to navigate their own murky financial waters and come out afloat on the other side. Some of the things they talk about in the book include how to monitor your expenses, build a budget and stick with it, how to make the most of a modest salary and still have money to spare. I know that's right. Um, How to start and succeed at your side hustle, how to build a nest egg and invest in your future. And this one I like, how to transform money mindset and be accountable for your financial well-being. Basically, this is a book for the quote-unquote clever girls out there. And if you've ever read the Clever Girl Finance website, which is really good, check it out. I highly recommend it. Um, You'll understand how awesome this book is and the work that Sukunbi is doing for all of us. So I definitely recommend giving this a read and I'll be reading it this month. Otherwise, I think we're done with this month's Money Matches episode. That's it for this week. I'll connect with you same time next week. Thanks for tuning in. So be it, see to it.